Welcome to the Key Wealth Matters weekly podcast, where we casually ramble on about important topics, including the markets, the economy, human ingenuity, and almost anything under the sun, giving you the keys to unlock the mysteries of the markets and investing. Today is Friday, November 17th, 2023. I'm Brian Peterangelo, and welcome to the podcast. As we head into the weekend and into next week, we'd like to pause and say thanks to everybody who's listening on a regular basis on our podcast, and thanks to our clients that continue to do business with KeyBank. But most importantly, thanks to our friends and family who we will celebrate the holiday with next week. So take time to embrace those relationships. Thanks, everybody. And with me today, I'd like to thank my colleagues who are here as our panel of investing experts, here to share their insights on this week's market activity and more. George Mateo, Chief Investment Officer, Steve Haight, Head of Equities, and Rajiv Sharma, Head of Fixed Income. As a reminder, a lot of great content is available on key.com slash wealth insights, including updates from our Wealth Institute on many different subjects, and especially our Key Questions article series addressing a relevant topic for investors each Wednesday. In addition, if you have any questions or need more information, please reach out to your financial advisor. As we take a look at this week's economic news, there were three key reports we want to share with you today, starting with the first with the overall measure of inflation as the consumer price index data was released for the month of October and showed moderation or slowing in inflation year over year from 12 months prior. So back in September, we had an inflation read of plus 3.7% year over year. That dropped to 3.2% year over year for the month of October. So good news there. The market certainly liked it. On the other side of the equation, we've only had a little bit of slowing if you remove food and energy components, where inflation went from 4.1% year-over-year in September down to 4.0% year-over-year in October. So not as much favorable news, but still headed in the right direction. And last but not least, as we continue to watch a major subcomponent of inflation known as shelter, we actually saw shelter inflation decrease from 7.2% in September year-over-year, down to 6.7%. So pretty meaningful change in terms of overall inflation, which is why we're seeing the numbers generally start to cool in terms of the overall inflation read. Second, also this week, we saw the nominal retail sales numbers came in, which were showing an indicating of slowing economy with the specific reference to consumer spending for the month of October. U.S. retail sales declined 0.1%, which was the first time in six months we actually saw a decline month over month. Again, September, the month prior, was up 0.9%, so a meaningful decrease in terms of overall indicators of the economy cooling. Significantly in the same regard, we also got the report on industrial production and the manufacturing side of the economy, which also showed a decline month over month from September to October of minus 0.6%, again, breaking the streak of positive numbers for the past four months. So we've got two signals out of three that are showing the economy is cooling, which is slightly unfavorable to match up with the favorable side of inflation that's cooling. So again, we'll take a look at all this economic data when we have our conversation today with our experts. A few other pieces of news in terms of the government shutdown continuing to be averted with progress made there in D.C. to, again, extend that conversation with the overall spending bills into 2024 before a full resolution is achieved. And we also had major progress on the UAW strike with the automakers. So with that, George, let's turn to you for your thoughts on this week's overall economic data and anything else that you're seeing that you'd like to share with us. George? 
Well, Brian, as always, there's a lot of ways you can read through some of the um, the inflation prints and the various economic releases that that you talked about. You know, I think the the numbers inflation are kind of interesting. And again, just kind of go through the numbers again. The overall month-to-month change inflation was 0.05%, so just barely above flat, basically, uh, on a month-to-month basis. And then uh, I guess if you want to look at more on a year-over-year basis, uh, as you noted, it's about 3.2% increases, which actually is the slowest pace I think about went back and looked since March of 2021. So we've seen a significant drop inflation, of course, you know, roughly 16 or so months or so ago in the middle of the summer of last year, we were dealing with 9% inflation, so progress made there for sure. Uh, of course, people like to kind of um, recognize the fact that some of that's been driven by the energy prices, which have been falling quite notably in the past few months. Uh, that maybe account for some of that. And so, if you take account maybe what people consider this core inflation reading, which takes out energy and food, which I guess is you know, one way to look at it. Although I also think that you know food and energy are pretty important. But that being said, you know the core CPI numbers they talk about, uh, they call it rather, was up two tenths of one percent month over month, which again is a pretty significant slowdown. You know, but it's still 4% year over year, which again, suggests we've made progress. But, you know, I, I think that's still quite a bit above, obviously, the Fed's official target of 2%. Uh, and then interestingly, kind of behind the scenes or maybe further down in the numbers, there still seems to be good strength, uh, good signs of economic strength. You know, frankly, one thing I look at once in a while is just the overall measure of prices of food or eating out versus eating at home. And it, it continues to be the situation where people are, are spending more eating out than they're eating at home. Uh, not to say that they have one, that they prefer one or the other, but that to me suggests that there's an overall, overall lot of underlying demand of consumer uh, spending and consumer activity uh, that's really kind of course into the economy. Of course, that kind of also feeds into things like retail sales. We saw that also kind of come out this week, um, a little softer than I think people would have thought, but maybe not as soft as feared. It's still growing though, again, around 2.5% year over year, which is a still a pretty healthy number. And um, the other thing we, we kind of saw this week was the, the, the jobless claim numbers. And of course, we've watched those pretty clear, carefully the last few months to see if there's any weakness in the labor market. And thus far, the overall number of, of initial people filing for unemployment insurance uh, remains pretty flat. The number of people that are actually going through continuing uh, levels of unemployment, those continuing claim numbers, as they talk about, as they call them, suggest that those numbers are picking up. And those maybe suggest that maybe the employment situation is maybe cooling a little bit in the sense that people that are out of work are having a harder time finding jobs. So that to me suggests that maybe they get inflation cooling. It might we might see some uh, some continued slowdown in wages. You know, you've got energy prices also falling off a little bit. And I guess Steve, if I kind of put that all in a blender, it says to me that maybe corporate profits, frankly, are are poised for a bit of a rise. So we saw the pop in the equity market. Do you think there's kind of a transmission transmission mechanism between the inflation report and earnings, or what am I missing? George, inflation has run hot for a while, and inflation filters through to earnings via the transmission mechanism of corporate revenues. So revenues are nominal numbers. So anytime you have inflation running hot, you have nominal revenues higher. So you see EPS come in typically strong. Now, the question is, are margins able to hold up in that type of environment? Because you've got the other flip side of the inflation game, which is labor, right? Because when prices are high for people at the grocery store or the gas pump or wherever, uh, they typically try to demand more money from their employer to cover for it. So uh, margins have actually held up pretty strongly here as we've gone through this inflationary period, and that has resulted in corporate profits coming in strong. And in fact, 
you know, now even uh, we, we've kind of come out of this kind of what I would call an earnings recession over the last 12 months. We've now made a new all-time high in the, the forward 12-month earnings number uh, after, you know, coming down last year. And, um, you know, the, the, the trajectory of that tends to, to be the trajectory that you see the equity markets take. So, you know, it's going to be interesting to watch here over the next two or three months. Guidance this quarter was a little bit weak uh, as people came through and, and talked about, you know, potentially seeing slowdowns. We've seen, you know, a lot of headline luxury companies talking about, um, you know, luxury goods sales coming in below expectations. So I, I think that there are some puts and takes under the surface here. Uh, so the, the real question is going to be, are earnings numbers for 2024 are going to hold up or are we going to see those numbers start to get revised down? If they get revised down, I think that, you know, we can see the markets kind of churn here for a while um, at, at levels where we're, where we currently are at. Well, at the same time, Rajiv, we've got inflation coming down. Unemployment is kind of ticked up a little bit, uh, not to be too alarmist about it, but we've seen that move up in the past few months. And as I mentioned, some of the labor pressures that we've seen uh, earlier this year have started to abate, uh, abate a little bit. If you think about this and you put this in your blender, what do you think the Fed's thinking right now? I mean, are they done? Are they, have they kind of uh, kind of hit the peak in rates or, or what do you think um, the Fed is thinking about all this news of late? Uh, well, George, I think the CPI print this week, uh, it worked to keep the market expectations that the Fed is done raising rates. The market really feels that the Fed is, uh, is not going to raise rates anymore. But uh, not only that, it actually fueled expectations that rate cuts are coming. If you look at Fed rate expectations, Fed fund futures traders have pretty much priced out any chance of a rate hike this year. And traders are now pricing in 50 basis points of rate cuts in uh, July by July 2024 and 92 basis point rate cuts by December 2024. This is all without the Fed claiming any victory on inflation. And the Fed continues to talk about, uh, you know, we haven't reached their target of 2%. Uh, the Fed has not said anything about rate cuts, but the market really is anticipating these rate cuts to happen in July. And uh, there's about maybe a 5% probability of rate hikes by January of this year. Um, so essentially, uh, uh, Fed rate hikes are off the table. Uh, the movement that we saw on the yield curve, however, it, I mean, it really showed that Based on the CPI print and the labor uh, uh, data that you talked about, George, I think that uh, we've seen some tremendous moves across, across the yield curve. Uh, it's something the Fed, in my opinion, uh, does not want to see. We saw rates come down across the yield curve. The Fed really wants the market to think like the Fed, that we will be higher for longer, but the market is not doing that. And if you recall, we talked about a really ugly 30-year treasury auction last week. It was the worst. 30-year treasury auction since 2011. It priced at 4.77%. Now, the long bond itself is 15 basis points below that. So those bonds have already returned 2% since uh, November, November 9th. So the shape of the yield curve continues to be a big, uh, a big factor in the market, and it's moving on big clips. When we saw that 30-year treasury auction uh, last week, everybody thought that was the worst. And uh, if you bought that 30-year auction, you actually did pretty well. Now, we see the Fed speak this week. Uh, we saw a lot of Fed speakers come out. They kind of said that, you know, we're not at the 2% target yet. They want to keep that Fed put in, in place. They want to say that we're data dependent. 
but the market is not buying it. The anticipation of rate cuts by the early uh, second quarter of 2024 is being priced in. So I'm glad you mentioned the, the bond auction uh, regime, because I still think that's um, something that kind of is in the middle part of people's minds at the very least. And particularly, people are kind of paying attention to the fact that there's less foreign demand for U.S. Treasuries. That seems to be a topic of some concern to many people. Do you do you have the same concern about that? Um, you know, other countries have been able to navigate that. Of course, their debt level is a lot less than ours, and we've got just so much paper out there basically to float. But um, what are your thoughts on uh, the, the, I guess, the buyer strike or maybe some of the foreign buyers pulling back away from U.S. Treasuries? Yeah, we, we have seen uh, data that says that uh, foreign buyers are not really uh, coming in droves as far as buying treasury treasuries. And, and I think that the 10-year uh, the and the 30-year auctions that we saw in the past uh, have just not done well. And what happens is broker-dealers are getting stuck with, with these treasury auctions. They're getting stuck with holding the treasuries. We're not seeing the pension funds in Japan. We're not seeing the, the Asian... Uh, life insurance companies coming in in big droves, and I think that's going to add some more pressure on these uh, on these thirty year bonds, specifically thirty year bonds. Ten uh, year bonds should do okay, and twenty year bonds are uh, probably going to feel some pressure as well. Steve, you've got a good finger on the pulse when it comes to some of the plumbing issues in the market. Are you concerned about that at all? Not right now, George. Everything seems to be functioning the way that it's supposed to. I know that people were caught off guard by that treasury auction, but you know, it seems like there were some some strange kind of anomalies around around that, whether it was the Chinese situation with ICBC getting hit at the same time and not being able to settle trades. Um, you know, the there were the, there were low liquidity conditions that afternoon, in particular, if you if you uh, listen to some market pundits and people who were talking about what was going on at that particular moment. So, you know, I th I think anytime you get into the low liquidity conditions, weird things can happen, and that that seemed to be a a particular maelstrom in that 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 one afternoon. We'll see if there's any real impact longer term. So George, let's finish today's podcast with a preview that we're heading up a national call coming up here in a couple of weeks on December 6th. You want to talk about that for our listeners? Yeah, Brian. First of all, I want to wish everybody a very happy Thanksgiving and a great, uh, great time to try to take some time away and just be together with friends and family. But soon thereafter, we will get together and talk about our outlook for the year ahead. It's still uh, in the formation stages, but we're looking forward to discuss that with everybody and talk about maybe this road to the old normal that we're on, where we're kind of getting back to the level of, of rates being somewhat elevated relative to the past, um, but also recognizing the fact that maybe, maybe, just maybe we're coming coming out of the um, post-COVID era in the sense that we've gotten fears behind us, thankfully, and hopefully that doesn't resurface, but you know, the economy's gone through a lot in the past couple of years, and maybe some of those lingering effects are, uh, are kind of diminishing a little bit. Uh, to be sure, there'll probably be some things that'll probably be with us a bit longer, but I think it's fair to say that we are kind of normalizing from some of the COVID impacts um, from 2020. And, uh, and that would be something we'll talk about going forward as well. Well, thanks for the conversation today, George, Steve, and Rajiv. We appreciate your insights as usual. And thanks to our listeners for joining us today. Be sure to subscribe to the Key Wealth Matters podcast through your favorite podcast app. As always, past performance is no guarantee of future results. And we know your financial situation is personal to you. So reach out to your relationship manager, portfolio strategist, or financial advisor for more information, and we'll catch up with you two weeks from now 
as we take a break for Thanksgiving and back on December 1st when we rejoin you, we'll see how the world and the markets have changed and provide those keys to help you achieve your financial success. The Key Wealth Matters podcast is produced by the Key Wealth Institute. The Key Wealth Institute is comprised of financial professionals representing key entities, including key private bank, key bank institutional advisors, key private client, and key investment services. Any opinions, projections, or recommendations contained herein are subject to change without notice and are not intended as individual investment advice. This material is presented for informational purposes only and should not be construed as individual tax or financial advice. Bank and trust products are provided by Key Bank National Association, a member of FDIC and Equal Housing Lender. Key Private Bank and Key Bank Institutional Advisors are part of Key Bank. Investment products, brokerage, and investment advisory services are offered through Key Investment Services, LLC, or KISS, a member of FINRA, SIPC, and SEC Registered Investment Advisor. Insurance products are offered through Key Corp Insurance Agency, USA Incorporated, or KIA. KISS and KIA are affiliated with Key Bank. Investments and insurance products are not FDIC insured, not bank guaranteed, may lose value, not a deposit, not insured by any federal or state government agency. eBank and its affiliates do not provide tax or legal advice. Individuals should consult their personal tax advisor before making any tax-related investment decision. This content is copyrighted by KeyCorp 2023.